When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. How am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. Once upon a time, and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I'm your host, Isabel Hauser, and I have some stories for you. This is a podcast to your traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away and will bring you back safely. A little while ago, I travelled to Northern Ireland to attend the Glens Storytelling Festival. How happy I was to be back on the Emerald Isle. How my soul sang at the reunion with wonderful people like Liz Weir and friends old and new. And although the weather was all gloom and doom, in our hearts the sun was shining. It was on one of those rainy days when we were all sitting around the kitchen table, chatting, steaming tea mugs in front of us, when the door opened and one of the storytellers entered with a gust of cold air. She was followed by a woman carrying a bag that was bursting at the seams. The woman heaved it onto the couch and plopped down right next to it with a phew. I was going to offer her a cup of tea, and then was distracted. Look what I got, cried the storyteller. She turned to the left and to the right, and the hat on her head caught the light, sparkling like the midnight sky. We duly oohed and awed. The hat was truly a work of art. It makes me so happy. She was beaming indeed. I'm a bit jealous now, I said, half in jest, half serious. The woman on the couch perked up. If you want, I have more, she said. And without waiting for my reply, she opened the bag and dozens of hats came spilling out. The first teller for this episode is Janice Del Negro. Janice is an educator, author, coach, and of course, marvelous storyteller. She has been featured at various storytelling festivals, conferences, and many other celebratory events. On top, her book, Folk Tales Aloud, Practical Tips for Playful Storytelling, has won an award in 2015. You can check out this book and all her other publications on her website. And now... Please enjoy Janice telling Rapunzel and Betrayal. When he came in through the window, all she could see was shadow, surrounded by a halo of light. It seemed as if the prince himself gave off the heat she felt rise to her cheeks. His words slipped over her skin like warm honey. There was no question. She would let him in. If her mother had discovered her subsequent condition, would she have turned her out? After all those years of devotion, after waiting so long for a child, would a mother have been able to send her daughter, her grandchildren, to a desolate waste? 
Sometimes the way the story goes depends on who gets to tell it. The only way out of the tower was for Rapunzel to cut her hair. Contrary to what you might have heard, it was no great loss. She cut the braid of golden rope just above her waist, tied that severed braid to the iron ring at the window, and lowered herself to the ground. On her back she carried all she owned, needle and thread, spindle and wheel, flint and knife, bowl and cup. In her head she carried all she knew, all her mother had taught her, the ways of plants, the paths of birds, the riches of the wood and how to reap them. Who decided that the time was ripe for leaving? It was early spring when Rapunzel left the tower. It was nearly winter two years later when he found her. The prince had been searching for many months. Sure her mother had cursed her. Sure he would never find her. Sure he would be desolate of heart always. She was not far. She was not hidden. But he was blinded by his sorrow. He looked only at the ground, searching for the signs of a broken woman, a snapped twig, a scrap of cloth, a faded footprint. He never thought to look up, where he would have seen a thin wisp of smoke rising from the chimney of a cottage where there should be no cottage, evidence of warmth where there should be no warmth. It was by the children's laughter that he found her. They spent that winter together in front of the hearth in the woods, his head in her lap, her tears in his eyes, their children at their feet. In the spring, they journeyed to his kingdom where they were met with great rejoicing. But every winter thereafter, they returned to the hearth in the woods where her mother came to visit them. Sometimes the way the story goes depends on who gets to tell it. The fairy tale sponsor for this episode is Miller's Daughter's Magic Wool. Wrap up in real magic this winter. With wool from Miller's Daughter, your mittens, scarves, hats and other knitted wonder pieces will envelop you in real magic. Handspun at our woolen mill in the depths of the enchanted forest, we create bundles of joy with threads of real gold and silver at affordable prices. We only use the finest hair of happy sheep and delightful baby goats and dye it with the most radiant natural colors. Come visit our shop and find out which one you like best. Miller's Daughter's Magic Wool. Enchantment is at the tip of your knitting needles. We have received a new five-star review titled Awesome. And the review reads, Best podcast ever. I love all the stories. Just make 1,000 more and then I'll be perfect. By M so see all go go D. Thank you so much for this literally glowing review with all the flaming hearts. And we hope that the podcast continues to brighten your day. We do aim to make 1,000 more episodes at least. Reviews like yours and all the other supporters certainly help us keep up the work. 
You too can become a supporter of the podcast, dear listener, either by writing a review on Apple Podcasts or by becoming a patron. Join us at patreon.com forward slash story story podcast or story story podcast.com. Hear about your magical fairy tale skill for as little as $4 a month. A shining thank you to all the patrons who make this podcast possible. You are the warm glow of candlelight on our dark winter evenings. The couch had vanished beneath a rainbow-colored myriad of hats. Which one do you like? she asked. (laughs) Which one I liked? Well, I very much felt as if I were standing in front of an ice cream display. The real question was not so much which one I liked, but rather which one I liked best. I reached for a pale pink hat with cream roses. The wool was soft and silky, and when I put it on, I immediately felt lightheaded and everything around me appeared in a rosy tinge. Next, I tried on a red beret with black tassels and got the urge to get stuck into my projects instead of trying on hats, which I would do, but not before I tried on one last hat. This one was deep green like the hills of Ireland, and only at second sight did I spot the leaves that were wrought around the brim, and it felt even better than it looked. When I put it on, I felt warm and at peace. This one I like best, I whispered. And this was indeed the hat that traveled back with me to Switzerland. I've been wearing it on every bleak and dreary day. And whenever I put it on, I feel at peace and right at home. The second teller for this episode who will share his version of Rapunzel is Cooper Brown, a Colorado-based storyteller and performer. Cooper discovered his love for storytelling as a child growing up without a television and first started out as an actor before turning to storytelling. He was featured at the National Storytelling Festival on the Exchange Play stage and together with our Rachel Ann, he runs the popular and successful storytelling show Stories with Spirits. Please enjoy his telling of Rapunzel. Y'all know how it goes, right? Prince Charmin gets to be that certain age, gets himself a horse, gots to be the biggest, meanest stallion he can find, gets a big sword, straps it round his waist. If he's smart, he finds himself a simple yet helpful servant, because someone's going to have to do the cooking. And he sets off to seek adventure. That was not our boy. Now, don't get me wrong, he is charming. He's a nice boy. Likes to read, doesn't hurt flies. Now, of course, it had been my job to teach him the manly arts of hunting and fighting and wrestling, and, well, I failed. He took to none of them. He liked to read, as I said, but he was getting on to be that age, that prince alarming age. You you know the age. They all start raising up hell and ravishing servant girls and general making a nuisance of themselves until they're kicked off to go, you know, winnow the chaff and see which ones come on back. 
Well, he was having none of that. He wanted, as I said, to stay in the library and read until that day, his daddy grabbed him by the ear and drug him out, strapped a sword around his own son's waist, packed his bags, picked him out a horse, took the books out of the bags that his son had slipped into the bags and pointed him out the front of the castle, tell him to go make something of yourself because all you've made up to now is a fool. Well, it's not as if we hadn't seen this coming. The queen and I, I... I have been the master at arms to her family for well a long time. In my youth, I accompanied both her brothers, the elder and the younger, on such adventures. My bags had been packed for weeks with all the food and cooking equipment and everything else to keep Young going on an adventure in spite of himself alive. I met him just inside the woodlands, just outside the castle, and he handed on over that sword. We wouldn't want him to hurt himself. And I, in turn, delivered to him four volumes of Plutarch, the complete works of Saxo-Germanicus, and a rather nice book of sonnets. We were now both in our natural environs, him to spend his days reading, and me to spend my days making sure he could keep reading, both by making sure that he was fed, and any creatures or bandits we might meet along the road that eyed him up as a very pleasant, delicious meal, I would feed them their own livers before they so much as touched a hair on his head. Now, don't get me wrong, it was a rather pleasant holiday, got me on out of the castle, though I did spend rather a lot of it leading on his horse as he refused to give up reading even in the saddle. Now, well, don't get me wrong, he was a pleasant conversationalist and amiable companion when he chose to stop reading, but what he talked about, all them Greeks and those philosophers, they go right on over my head. I, I did like a little bit of the poetry that he read me, and I do have to say the wars and the murder bits, I can get in behind on that, but for the most part, it's all a bit highbrow. Well, we had agreed between us that we would spend the summer adventuring with regular stops for literature and come fall we would return to the castle and we would we would make up something to tell his daddy and we might have continued as such all summer long but we we found the tower we were in this meta beautiful bit of woodlands we camped there for a couple of days when it was late afternoon through the woods through those trees we heard some singing coming good singing some young woman and Mr. Nose in a book looks up at me and tells me he wants to go find out where that's coming from. Well, bless my soul, our boy wanted himself an adventure. So we left the horses there and we made our way through the trees. It was a little bit of ways and then, then we saw peeking on over the canopy a, a tower. As we got closer, there were no doors, no door on any side, but it was all grown up around with rose bushes. They smelled lovely, but up on each side, there was a big window, and sitting in one of them windows was a young woman sunning herself like a cat. Now, she was pretty. She had a good voice, but that is not what enchanted my young companion, for hand to God, open on her lap was a book. I don't think I've ever seen him look at a woman like that before. It is never the place of the simple yet helpful companion to take the four lead in the young maiden side of the adventuring business. That just isn't done. But I was prepared to give him a helpful shove forward. But then she stopped on to singing. And I heard what she had heard, someone coming on through the trees. And I pulled Mr. Mesmerized deeper into the shadows. And then we saw coming in between the trunks this, uh, woman. Tall and, uh severe, handsome in an intense way with long gray hair, the kind of lady you wouldn't call old to her face if you valued your life. 
Now she saunters right on up to the base of that there tower and lets out sing-song like, Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down your hair that I might climb that golden stair. And that young woman, she reaches on behind her, and I had noted that her braid was wrapped around there, a hook implanted in the side of the window, and she lets on down 30 feet of golden braid if it was 12 inches long. Now I'm standing there open-mouthed, though my young companion hasn't even blinked. I'm sure he's read something like this before. Book learning's a powerful thing. And that old, excuse me, lady of distinguished countenance, she scampers on up that braid as quick as you please. Well, the next morning, we're back. And again, she's sitting there, different window this time. She's following the sun, and she's sitting up there, book in her lap. And our young hero lets out with the worst pickup line ever spoken on God's green earth. What are you reading? And damn my soul if it didn't work. They spent the whole rest of the day, him sitting right there on the ground, her dangling her feet on over the windowsill, talking about dead Greek fellas. Now, come on the afternoon, I hear the old woman coming, I give a whistle, and we nipped off, and they continued in this way, day after day, two weeks, before our young lady had to stop hinting and getting a little blunt that maybe he could come on up. Now, I know what you're thinking. We had had the talk about princes and towers and what princes are like to do in towers with young women with golden hair, whether or not the young ladies want anything to do with that. Now, this had horrified him. He, he did have a particular translation of Plutarch. He was desperate to show her. He had done it himself. He was so proud, as opposed to what, you know, most fellas his age want to be showing the young women. Well, that first morning, he... He was there with his book bag over his shoulder like a schoolboy. And she made him. She made him sing the song. And he stammers out, red-faced and blushing, Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down your hair that I might climb that golden stair. Now, he had never been the most active of young fellows, but maybe lifting all them heavy books had done something for his upper body strength, for he climbed up right quick. And day after day, week after week, the summer progressed and they sat up there while I sat down at the bottom keeping an eye out. And what did they do? They read together. Every day, reading to one another, reading by themselves. He'd tell me about it every night. That boy wouldn't know what to do with his, um, his bookmark if it done give him a paper cut. But the old lady did find out... Uh, I don't know if they had gotten intimate, you know, as young folks are like to do in a sort of literary sense. I'll let you read my book if you let me read yours. Or she just saw books on the shelves she hadn't, you know, brought there herself. But it was, it was an August morning. And we came there as we normally did. And she wasn't sitting up there in the window, but he let out gaily as he pleased, Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down your hair that I might climb that golden stair. And Braid comes on down, and he scampers on up. He's getting better at it at this time, and, well, I had to watch. Helpless, there at the bottom, as it's not our young lady, there at the top of that old woman with a dagger in her hand, screaming about princes and despoilers and every such thing. And our, our young fella has never been one for fisticuffs, and his fists were wrapped around that braid, and he jumped while he, he leapt. 
Okay, he just plumb let go. And he fell 30 feet to the ground. And them rose bushes, they broke his fall. And I hear our young lady start on to screaming up there in the tower. And I don't know if that old woman is planning on finishing off my boy. So I throw him over my shoulder and I get on out of there as quick as I can. And it's only when we got back to the meta that I saw that them rose bushes had torn out his eyes. And I washed away the blood and I wrapped his face with linen and I washed his cuts and bandaged them. And that night when he was sleeping, I returned to the tower. I can climb me a wall. I went in that door with my sword in my hand, prepared to do what I had come to do. But they were gone. Her braid was there on the ground, all 30 feet of it cut clean on through. And in the fireplace was all them books that they had loved. Burned. He was blind, and he was heartbroken, but he did not want to return to the castle. He wanted to find her. We were going to have ourselves a damn proper adventure is what we were going to do. So we set off to find her. I read more in them days and weeks and months that followed than I had, well, to last me a lifetime. That boy needs words like most folks need water. First time, though, first time I saw him smile since it happened, I was reading, I, I tried to pronounce that fella's name Diogenes, or Diogenes, I think that's how he says it said. I don't know, but it made him smile. So I kept on saying it wrong. And Well, I, it took me the better part of a year to find her. I could have done it quicker if I'd left him with some kind peasants that would have seen to him, but his mama would have never forgiven me for abandoning her boy, even if it was to find his true love. And well, he was set. But when we did find her, it was a May morning, some stretch of woodlands, a little cottage there, and wafting on through the trees, we heard singing. I don't think I ever saw him sit up straighter than I did in that moment. And when she saw us, they're married now, of course. Uh, the twins, they come on a year later, and I, I bounce them on my knees. There is no art that will restore his eyes, but he will make us a good king. Book learning. They're never apart. Every evening they read together. Well, she reads, and then they talk late into the night. She will make us a good queen. The old woman, we haven't seen her. I think perhaps she locked Rapunzel away to keep her from the sight of men, as it were, because, well, princes are known to do what princes do. But I don't think she knew our boy. Thank you for listening to the Story Story Podcast. Show the love. Find Janice Del Negro at storytelling.org and Cooper Brown at storycrossroads.org. Tell them you heard them on the podcast and now want to hear them tell more stories. If you have questions or comments for the podcast, you can send them to us at storystorypodcast at gmail.com. 
You can also connect with me directly at isabelhauser.com. If you get in touch, let me know the favorite story you have heard or the favorite stories of your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you will hear them here soon. The inspiration for the true fairy tale was indeed a knitting wizarding woman I met at the storytelling festival in the glens of Antrim. And here's some love for all the wonderful people I met there. Hi Liz, Jane, Maria, Kath, Maya, Carl and everyone else at the barn. The fairy tale sponsor was also inspired by the wool of the hat that the woman gifted me. And the music, as always, is by Poddington Bear. This podcast is made possible by patrons like you. Consider becoming a patron or joining the mailing list to get podcast goodies or writing a review on Apple Podcasts, which helps other story lovers find and enjoy the show. You will hear more stories next week, but until then, live happily ever after. Mary-Kate opened up the door and there on the doorstep wrapped in his own blanket was her baby. And to this day, Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth that got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive music.